For today's Inside the Walls episode, we have a special guest, Colin D. Lord, and the conversation was so rich that we decided to make it a two-part conversation. So today, you will be listening to part one. Welcome to Inside the Walls podcast. I am your host, Jeffreen Hayes, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Colin D. Lord. Colin was a board member for about four years and joined the organization at a really pivotal time where we were really committing deeply to racial equity, particularly on the board level. And Colin, with his expertise in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and just all around uh, experience of life from uh, Brooklyn, right? Yep. With Caribbean heritage and also a little bit of connection across the pond. Colin was like the ideal uh, board member and over the tenure of his time at the organization really modeled what it means to be a board member who is committed from top to bottom and not simply as a status uh, symbol, but in service, deeply in service to the organization, to our artists and to our community. So welcome, Colin. Thank you for having me, Dr. J. (laughs) So I gave a really brief overview of who you are. but can you share with our listeners who you are? Who am I? Well, the first thing I'll say is uh, sort of thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I am honored to be a part of this as I was um, being a board member at Three Walls. Um, when you did the introduction, you mentioned about my connection to uh, um, the UK when you went across the pond. And I'm still... I'm still smarting a bit because, um, as many will know, uh, about a week ago, um, my beloved three lions made it to the finals of the Euro Championship. And um, I thought it was going to be the year because I've not seen England win anything in my lifetime. <laughs> and um, and it wasn't so. But I'm recovering. Um, you know, um, I am recovering. But... To your point, yes, I was born in North London, England. Um, both of my parents are from Barbados. And I always thought it was kind of interesting that these two people from a small island had to go to another country to meet. Um, uh, but I'm the oldest of three kids, and I moved to Barbados when I was about eight years old and um, lived there for eight years. Um, and it was interesting, you know, since we're talking about what we're talking about, it was interesting to go from a place like London to a place like Barbados, where everything in terms of race kind of got flipped, where the prime minister, the governor general, and everyone else, for the most part, looked like me. Um, I didn't realize at the time, but I do think that that was um, pretty informative. Um and uh, and it's also an accessible place too, like most Caribbean islands. Um, for example, I went to a school called Common Secondary School, and when I was a first former, 
the head boy, his name was David Thompson. Um, he ended up, he eventually became the prime minister of Barbados. You know, so it was, you know, it's, in hindsight, it was kind of nice to, you know, be mentioned by greatness, so to speak. Um, oh, and Rihanna went to my high school too, so. You have to give bad girl Riri her mention Absolutely. in this podcast. Absolutely. We, we are very stand proud for Rihanna. Yes. <laughs> we are. Rihanna, if you listen to this somewhere, we are very proud of you. Um, not just because of what she does, but the fact that she, she's always remained grounded and connected um, to her roots. Um, but I moved to New York when I was 16 years old. Um, I got to New York uh, October 3rd, 1985. I'll never forget that date. Um, I tell people all the time, I got I got there the same time as crack cocaine, but it was all coincidence. I didn't bring it with me. But it, but that reality definitely informed my experience. Um, I don't try to romanticize what it was like living in New York City at the time, but it was tough. It was it was it was tough. Um and um and it was challenging. Um but ultimately, um because of some great mentors and some luck, <laughs> um, I, I did have the opportunity to um, go to college. Um, I went to Binghamton University in upstate New York. And it's interesting, I went to Binghamton with the plan of doing something around computer science, computer engineering. And um, my freshman year in college, I took a course called Racial Stratification in the United States. Um, with Professor Maxwell. And in the course, one day he was talking about the disparities in funding uh, of public schools, urban versus suburban. And I was so clueless. I just assumed that every other student at Binghamton University had the same experience that I had. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it was, uh, I always say that, you know, um, people get the messages through burning bushes and other things. I got the message through racial stratification. And it was at that point I decided that I was going to be um, the person to address issues around disparities in education, especially given the fact that I have a sister 10 years younger than me. So she was in public school in New York City uh, while I was in that class. And um, so I pivoted away from the whole computer science idea, and I started tr- uh, doing research and and um, getting involved in issues around education, around um, equity and access, and so on. And that led me ultimately to uh, enroll in that University of Wisconsin, Madison for grad school in the Educational Policy Studies program. And um, socially, it was um, pretty tough. Um, and um, academically, it was incredibly disillusioning um, because the courses that I took, basically, we talked about what was wrong with urban education, but there wasn't uh, much, if any, discussion about how we can fix it. <clears throat> Um, so after I left uh, University of Wisconsin, I um, ended up back at my alma mater eventually, working in the admissions office there 
And that's where I kind of uh, uh, found my footing in terms of what I wanted to do and how I could serve the community. Um, it was around issues around educational access. And so I, um, you know, amongst other things, I, uh, I started a nonprofit in Atlanta called the IMA Foundation, um, where I worked with public school students around um, personal finance and stock market education. Um, I also uh, served as an associate director of admission at Hamilton College. And I also, um, one of my most rewarding experiences was being the, um, the national director of programs for a better chance. For those of you who don't know, a better chance is a, at this point, a 60 plus year organization. It's a national organization and the organization identifies students of color um, who have uh, potential and um, assist those students and their families through the admissions process to some of the best um, um, independent schools in the country. Um, and after that, um, I decided that I was going to get married and have kids. And I absolutely love New York City, but I've always said that I, I would not want to raise kids in New York City. It's just way too intense, especially for educators and our limited budgets. And so um, after getting married, my wife and I, Melissa, we uh, moved to uh, Wonsford, Connecticut, um, where I took the position of the Associate Director of Admission at uh, Chet Rosemary Hall, which is a boarding school. Might so I add I, yep. that show has made uh, an appearance on Power? <laughs> when I heard yeah. it, I thought of you immediately. I was like, I know Cho through Colin. Exactly. So one thing to know about Three Walls, and especially amongst the board, is that we love pop culture as much as we love yes. food. Yes. So Absolutely. talking about television and movies is very much how we bond. Absolutely. And that is true because now I wear a chill t-shirt and people actually know what that is. Um, mm -hmm. But um, in addition to working in the admissions office, I, I was also the advisor of students of color at Choke. Um, and I did that, as I mentioned before, I was at Choke for eight years before moving to Chicago. Um, uh, was that seven years ago? Um, and when I moved to Chicago, um, I uh, I moved here to be the director of enrollment management and financial aid at an independent school here in Chicago. Um, we'll just leave that unnamed at this point yes. because um, um, they don't deserve the spotlight. <laughs> um, and um, and when I moved here. Uh, a friend of mine from college, Devin Matthews, was um, don't 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 tell don't let, don't tell the story yet. Oh, don't tell the story yet. Okay, <laughs> I didn't tell the story yet. Um, I moved to Chicago and I was doing Chicago pizza and um, and, and enjoying um, the lakefront and doing all those things. So funny. We also laugh a lot at Three Walls. So Absolutely. the jokes Absolutely. always, they, they come, they write themselves a lot of, a lot of the time. <laughs> I think that uh, people call especially black folk, we use humor as a form of therapy. Uh, I know I have, um, because there are situations where if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. 
And so um, that's always been a means to kind of diffuse stress at times. So laughing is good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have a lot of experience across the country in terms of nonprofit work, um, education at different levels, and you land in Chicago, which is a really interesting choice for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, you said about New York, you didn't want to raise your children there because of the education system on a, you know, educator salaries and it's tough. It's rough, right? I hear the same thing about folks who grew up in Chicago, don't want to raise their kids here for all of the same reasons, right? So it's interesting to think about Chicago and New York being really sister cities in terms of all of what is wrong. Although Chicago is deeply segregated in a way that New York isn't. Um, So that's, that's one thing. Um, And that you have this perspective from an educational standpoint that is also very much in relationship to the arts and the visual arts. And you didn't necessarily know that coming to Three Walls, right? right? So can you talk a little bit about how you came to learn about Three Walls? Well, I learned about Three Walls through uh, one of my college friends, Devin Matthews, who I think you've had on your show before. Um, he is a board member and I think a two-time president at Three Walls, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, so Devin and I, when we were in college, he was a member of student government. I was um, wearing many hats. And we were often spending a lot of our time challenging the um, administration <laughs> um, on things. And so we worked really well together, you know, setting up protests, taking over buildings, doing the things that young people do. Um, and um, when I moved here, uh, he invited me. I think I was here for maybe a month or so at, before he invited me to a Three Walls fundraiser. And I think that might have been my first exposure to Three Walls. And so he was kind enough to share his perspectives about the organization. And when uh, schedule permitted, I would make every attempt to attend um, programs at Three Walls was hosting. So that was kind of my um, entree into the organization. Which is how a lot of board members enter the organization. They've been invited to a program um, by another board member and not always with the intent to recruit you to board membership, but to say, hey, this is a really important organization that is also part of my life. Um, and so thank you, Devin, because we know you're <laughs> listening, uh, for that. And so talk about when you, so how did we meet? Let's talk about that. How I remember specifically. Oh, you do. I do. I, so I don't know if it was the first time we met, but I know, I do remember one of our first conversations, uh, well, 
I have I obviously met you at one of the events. Was it the was it that fundraising event that was in like that warehouse somewhere? So it wasn't a fundraiser. So uh the summer of 2016, we hosted a fellowship solidarity gathering. And that was the summer where we had Sandra Blands, Orlando Castile, um, Alton Sterling. Like it seemed one right after the other. And the organization, considering that I am a Black woman, was feeling it very deeply. We were also beginning the conversations around uh, being racially inclusive. And so we hosted this uh, gathering at Mana Contemporary, which is uh, on the west side, the which is a refurbished warehouse of artist studios. And uh, Colin came with Devin, and that's how we I first met. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying th- that you thought the event was really great to to do, um, and. I think we we talked a little bit about you know what was going on. Y'all didn't stay very long because I think you went to dinner after that, or you were going to drinks or something like that. But that was the first time that we met. And then, as I continued to push the board to think about who anyone who was non-white <laughs> who could be part of the organization and really commit to not just an arts organization, but the values, um, Devin mentioned you. And it, of course, would be Devin to have to be the person with the one Black friend, right? Um, <laughs> I know Devin has many Black friends, but it was, of course, Devin. And, and I think that's important to state in this moment because what Devin did not share in our conversation during the podcast was that he was someone who deeply believed in the organization's shifts and the importance of being a racially inclusive arts organization from top to bottom and really supported that financially as a board member. Um, and so in comes Colin and I don't remember our first conversation, like formal conversation during the recruitment process. Oh, I definitely remember the conversation. You do? Because, uh, oh, absolutely, oh, absolutely I do. Because, um, you know, Devin reached out to me and um, said that um, he wanted to have a conversation with me about being on the board. And before I go any further, I just want to say that um, um, I'm very proud of Devin um, and what he's been able to to do in terms of seeing the vision and so on. I like to think that all those conversations we had back in 1993, 1992 was a, you know, was a primer <laughs> and he was listening. Um, but yes, he's definitely a very forward thinking um, person um, and I'm very progressive in his thinking and I'm very proud of what he's um, been able to accomplish. And the fact that he's been consistent and committed to that. Um, but I, I remember thinking to myself, why would I be a board member for an art nonprofit? As I mentioned before, I'm an educator. So, um, you know, cash does not rule everything around me. And, um, and I, you know, as I, I think I might have mentioned to you in our first conversation, 
besides being a former b-boy um you know um that's kind of like where my uh, artistic ability kind of begins and ends and it was in that conversation that you uh, the first time you kind of like laid out your vision about where you wanted the organization to go what you were trying to do and um and one of the things that struck me um that really hit a, struck a chord was the idea that um unlike a lot of organizations you didn't just want to have a really great diversity statement or you know the optics or like this stuff like you wanted um diversity and inclusion and equity to be the fabric of the organization and in order for you to do that you need people who understood it identified could identify it so on and when you said that, you know, based on my background, I said, oh, okay, yeah, I could do that <laughs> because, you know, I've been doing the work, you know, since, um, you know, um, my, my time in college. And so um, you definitely um, eased a lot of my angst <laughs> um, at that point because I, um, I felt like I was a fish out of water. Um, and the other piece, too, to be honest, I think I mentioned this to you before. One of the things that was attractive about the quid pro quo, um, I would most um, certainly provide my uh, my insight, my um, you know my experience, and so on and so forth. But I have two kids, um, and I wanted them to not be like me and not feel uncomfortable when you're talking about fine art and stuff like that, um, and um, I felt like three walls was a way to have them be exposed, not just to fine art, but so, so they can see that people that look like us can also um, um, produce that level of art. Um, and um, I think one of the most, you know, one of the most significant moments for me was, um, and I forget, what, what which artist it was but there was an exhibit and um, i met you with my son cj and one of his friends sage oh um, yeah that was the so i had curated a show at uh glass curtain gallery at columbia college and that show uh was silos that traveled yeah. from dc to chicago and yeah it took a saturday afternoon and walked y'all through the show. And that was really exciting and wonderful. And what is, to your point, Colin, around kids being exposed, right, to different kinds of art forms, and I think specifically around uh, visual art, is that the kids always get it. Because their mind is expansive and they're open to receiving and they don't have these kind of preconceived notions. And it was wonderful to watch CJ and his friend like just totally get this really complicated work. And so that is also the beauty of art is that it should be able to connect with all ages of all backgrounds. And so the artists who were in that show really did, uh, they, fulfilled their job as artists. Yeah. I mean, just talking about, it, I, I, I still get chills. Um, cause I was so, 
Um, I still am so thankful for you taking the time to do that because um, like CJ was hanging on every word and every time you asked a question, he was coming right back with a response and it was, it was, um, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was, um, that's how I got on board and why I got on board for three walls. Yeah, I do remember, um, what I remember from that conversation is me telling you I needed your help and being real frank about it. And because you showed up fully as who you are, um, it allowed me to just be like, okay, real talk. I need someone else on this board who understands because I can't do it by myself. Um, I can't do it just with Devin. I can't just do it with, you know, certain board members. Um, And you're like, bet, like that was it. And we've continued to have really great conversations and, you know, your time on the board really was like a solace, especially during, you know, really pivotal moments of, of growth. And there have been many a time where I've been able to call you and be like, yo, like take the ED hat off, the Dr. J hat off and just be Jeffrey and be able to share. And that's rare, I think, at least that's been rare in my uh, professional career where I've been able to just also fully show up as myself and not be judged by uh, board members. So I appreciate that uh, from you. And, you know, so you joined the board and um, within a couple of years, I don't even think it was a couple of years. I feel like it was like a year. (laughs) (laughs) I came to you wanting you to actually be president of the board. Right. Right. And Mm. um, talk about that, because I don't think that you were expecting that. Especially because I think you were still a little hesitant because you mm. didn't have the art background um, or like even the art connections. And so can you talk a little bit of, about that? I mean, so it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's because of, uh, as, as you get, well, I do think as you get older, um, I won't. I won't say you lose confidence, but I do think that people get more and more careful about what they don't know and, and how they manage, how they navigate discomfort. And the reason why I say that is um, when I started working in college admissions, I started January um, of one year, um, January 97. And I remember that that summer, I, was, I wasn't on a job for a year yet. I went to this conference called the uh, National Association. Uh, the National Association of College Missions Councils had a, uh, a summer session called Counselors of Color. And um, I went to the conference, and in the conference, there was uh, this program where um, they would, people would submit um, different ideas and two people would get selected and they had to do research and they present on it. And I remember I was six months into the profession and I was listening to my two colleagues do their presentations. And I was like, Oh, I could do better than that. <laughs> well, I could definitely do better than that. And so 
like the next next year, I most definitely submitted a proposal, and the mentors kind of reached out to me. It's like, okay, this is great, but you've been in the profession for like a year now, so why don't you like pull back, fall back, and you know, we'll see you next year. That, that type. Of, and I was like, okay, you know, so like, so there was a time, mm-hmm. you know, and then you know, um. I think over time, people just tend to be less comfortable doing stuff like that and putting themselves out there. And so even though I'd been a board member for about a year or so, I still wasn't, I still didn't feel ready to lead the charge. And yeah, part of it too, uh, Dr. J is, you know, um, like anything that I commit to, I take seriously. And you know, I didn't want to be the person leading the organization to fumble because the work that Three Walls um, is doing is just too important. You know, um, and so, you know, like when I was working at A Better Chance, I worked there for three years and the first couple of years especially were incredibly brutal. It was post 9-11, the funding had dried up. And my whole, my whole mantra the entire time I was there was not on my watch. There's no way I was going to let this organization that's so important to so many people in our community fail. And so in order to avoid that, it was like a seven days a week, you know, um, um, type, you know, you know, 14, 50, 16 hour days were normal. And when I got to the, after three years, I said to myself, I need to step away before I get burnt out because I can't afford to be burnt out sitting at this desk, you know? And I think, a lot of that was the same, um, um, the same attitude I was that I took when you asked about me being president. I wanted to be sure I'm sure that I was going to do right by the organization, and I do think that, as I mentioned before, there's something about fine art that makes people like me <laughs> um, feel like I'm the outside looking in. To learn more about our work at Three Walls, you can follow us at our website, www.three-walls.org. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore T-H-R-E-E-W-A-L-L-S underscore. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Now, while you are on our website, please feel free to sign up for our newsletter where we share more intimate details about the work we're doing, opportunities that are coming up, and sharing out knowledge. If you're enjoying our podcast, Inside the Walls, please take a moment to hit subscribe on your podcast platform, rate us, and leave us a comment. And also, don't forget to share with your friends.